Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor so, Vinny. Tutor is essentially, I like to say we're, we're not really disrupting the tutoring industry. We're more so... You know, we're just streamlining it. I feel like, you know, every industry thrives because they adapt to the current generation at hand, right? And we at Studer feel like, look, the world of academia and tutoring is always one of the few to adapt. Like e-learning was only really popular because of COVID, right? And I mean, this is an idea I had a few years ago. So the way that we like to describe ourselves, my elevator pitch is, look, we're essentially Uber for tutoring. I know, I don't know if we can use that moving forward, but that's kind of what my elevator pitch is to the normal person, so... Yeah, I mean, okay, like like people listening right now, maybe you're in college, maybe uh, you have your own business, maybe you're in the corporate world, wherever you are, but you probably remember when you were back in school, sometimes, not everyone, sometimes people wait till the last moment. So Studer basically gives you that ability from how CJ kind of related to me is that it gives you that ability to call at the last second, try to find a tutor to help you out so you can get that paper done, that assignment done, whatever it might be. Because come on, most of us were probably not planning a week, two weeks, three weeks out. Well, if you did, you were, uh, you were one of the few that were really good in college about managing your time. <laughs> well, I mean, so I mean, let's rewind. I mean, who were you? Who was CJ like as a young kid? Was he doing all his work or was he basically a slacker? I mean, I want to say yes, but honestly, no, <laughs> I was definitely your kid that just kind of, I mean, I was a good student, you know, always did good in school. My parents definitely pushed that really well. Um, but yeah, I was one of those kids that look, if I knew I had a project done and I held the whole semester to do it, you know, that I was probably gonna do it in the last week. <laughs> I wasn't going to work on it throughout the semester. And I, and I find that pretty common, but yeah, who I am is definitely, uh, I would say a pretty normal upbringing, you know, um, Pretty decent student. I wouldn't say I was like a standout 4.0. Grew up in Seattle, Washington for a while. And I just didn't really know how hard school was until, you know, I, I mean, in Bellevue, Washington, because they really push academics there. And then when I was 16, I moved to Provo, Utah. And it's still a little bit difficult, but definitely not as hard as Seattle. So, yeah, I mean, I just quickly learned that, look, I grew up in a pretty good area in Bellevue. Um, academics is heavily pushed, but Again, still wasn't the kid that was proactive about my grades. I was definitely a crammer, uh, the guy that would stay up all night to study for the midterm or the finals, and yeah, just scrape my way through. What I mean, what were your aspirations when you were kind of scraping your way through? What were you wanting to do? Um, <clears throat> so a little background about me, in addition, is you know I played baseball growing up. Uh, quickly found out that look, I'm five eight, not very fast. I don't throw a very far i'm not really probably gonna get far in the sport so when i was 15 i took up golf and uh played all throughout high school was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to byu and played four or five years there from 2013 to 18 and it was just one of those funny things like when i first started golf i just you know saying i wanted to go pro was probably a pipe dream at the time and i was very much like you know what i'll just i play i want to make the high school team and then once you did that it's okay now i want to be the number one guy and then once you do that it's just a uh, microcosm of micro goals that were hit over time and eventually yeah i earned a d1 scholarship and after my five-year tenure at byu i actually turned professional so 
you know, growing up, I wasn't the kid that wanted to be the doctor or wanted to be the firefighter. I knew I wanted to do something in business. I just didn't know what it was. Um, but turning professional golf was definitely my dream since I was 17. So, yeah. So you're, um, you got the scholarship, you're playing golf. I mean, in college, were you doing better at your academics or when did that idea of I got to do better at academics and learn kind of come about? I mean, this product was definitely built because I wasn't being proactive about my grades, you know. Uh, being a full-time student athlete is definitely a challenge. Uh, BYU being a pretty good school, actually a really good school, you know, I was an economics major. And, you know, as a golfer, you're, you're gone anywhere from 12 to 17 weeks throughout the year, right? And you can imagine how tough that is because you're only in school for maybe 30, 32 with uh, – fall and winter. And um, I mean, again, I was a good student. I was I was definitely passing all my classes. Some I would excel in, some I would struggle in. But, you know, this idea definitely came because of the numerous sleepless nights I would have about, hey, it's 10 p.m. I have to, I need help, right? And I, my TAs aren't going to answer me. My professor's not going to answer me. So who can I depend on? It's just other students. And that's kind of the intro into how Studer was born. Now, when did you know, I mean, or maybe you, you haven't, I mean, have you, do you still have aspirations to one day, like get better at golf and actually go pro? Um, no, not really. Okay. So I actually, I, in 2018, I turned professional right after I graduated and I played over in Asia and I kind of bounced around there. I bounced around the local mini tours in California, Arizona, Utah, Colorado for two and a half years. And actually, in 2020, my third year being pro, I uh, I was in the Thailand. I was in Thailand for a month and the Philippines for a couple of weeks before news came on, and they were like, "Hey, you have 48 hours to get out of this country, or you'll be stuck here for 31 days." So, came home, and uh, you know, obviously, obviously, you remember, but the world shut down. You know, in 2020, weird time, the pandemic, and ever since then, you know, the rest of that. The rest of the pandemic, I was definitely practicing alone, uh, playing with friends, but I had to get shoulder surgery. I injured my shoulder. I uh, had a torn labrum. And in that time, I really had time to reflect and kind of think about what I really wanted to do. And growing up, you know, my parents were like, look, we're going to, we'd love for you to play professional golf. But at the end, I think you'd be a really good businessman. And I was like, okay. And so the idea of student was actually born when I was a junior in college, you know, just getting into my major, um, grinding it out. But yeah, I mean, in terms of my aspirations, I just, I loved playing professional golf. Um, I, I didn't play at the highest level, but I definitely played at a pretty high level and it's pretty taxing. You know, I mean, you're traveling nine months of the year. Can't really, it's hard to have a social life. It's hard to have a dating life, but now that, you know, I can be home and just start a business, it's a little more enticing to what I want to do in the macro. So so do you think, and I, it's hard to, 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 to go back, but do you think if you never had the torn labrum that you would have actually given up golf? If I didn't start Studer, I would say I'd probably still be grinding it out. Yeah, just because I didn't really have a plan B. Um, I just knew even when I was in school, look, I don't know what I'm going to do with my economics major. I didn't do an internship. The nine to five life has never really enticed me ever. Uh, growing up, I just knew I didn't want to do it. One, mainly because I'm pretty stubborn. I don't like being told what to do. So I was like, I have to find out what I want to do. But yeah, I just, 
I, yeah, I would say yes. Until I found something else, I'd probably still be grinding it out in, in golf and trying to make it. How does the, the difference of grinding out in golf compare to grinding it out and building a startup? Oh, man. Um, that's been one of the challenges that I had so far. You know, so as a golfer, for all the listeners out there and yourself, it's it's a very individual sport, right? It's very unique in the way that, you know, you could be the number one player all throughout college and you may never make it to the big leagues just because you may have played at the wrong time or you hit a slump at the wrong time and vice versa. You could have a mediocre career in college and you could have a really successful career on the PGA tour or the European tour. Um, so in that aspect, it, it's very individual and it, it's been a learning curve for me for sure. But at the end of the day, what I take away and what I think has carried me through the, you know, built the perseverance through building a startup is kind of the work ethic that's instilled in golf. So because it's such an individual sport, what you put into it is almost a direct correlation to what you get out of it. Right. So it's super easy when I'm playing really bad or, you know, I have a sloppy finish to a tournament. It's easy to reflect and be like, look, that was on me. I got lazy. I got tired. Um, I lost focus or maybe my physical game isn't just there. So what, what can you do? It's just, you, you know what, you just, you got to practice a little harder the next day. Um, and in that aspect, that's definitely helped me in the startup culture. But you know, one thing that's been really difficult is now I have to depend on my employees or other people for the success of the company, which has been a foreign kind of um, culture for me, if I'm being completely honest. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, you know, it best hard work and determination are really kind of the two main ingredients for being successful in anything you do, especially a startup. So how have you have you learned to to adapt and i know you have some co-founders and we'll talk about them but for yourself how have you learned and adapt to holding your employees accountable for what they're supposed to do because sometimes i mean when you're a self-starter and you've done it right you go oh i can right. do this but then when they're not doing it to the level that maybe you're doing it at, it could be i think frustrating and that's i think a lot of business owners have to learn okay how do I lead compared to how do I pull across the finish line? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, definitely there are moments where I get extremely frustrated just because if we miss a deadline or the tech's not, you know, where I want it to be, or, you know, sales processes aren't going so smoothly, you know, it's really easy to blame someone. Um, but I quickly learned through my other co-founders, especially uh, Tyler in particular, just to be patient. Right. I mean, Yes, we all want to move a thousand miles an hour, but at the end of the day, it's not really viable. And I lean heavily on my on Tyler Crawford, who's definitely my senior co-founder. He's been amazing for this company. He is a big reason of why we, we were able to go from steps one through six. You know, he was he was the man that came in. But it, it's definitely um, I found a good way for me is just open communication. So if if something is behind or if we're not hitting deadlines at a certain time period, instead of getting really frustrated and taking it out on my employees or even myself, you know, I'll just say, hey, so what is it? You know, what can I do to benefit the process? Or is there a reason to why we're behind? Or just, just to, I guess, understand a level with everyone at the company is very key to me. It's instead of internalizing it, I want to say, okay, well, you know what? It's fine. Missing a deadline is okay. It's not the end of the world, but can I know why? For my edification and for years and most most of the time it's actually 
there's a lot that can be solved just by open communication. You know, my employees will say, hey, well, we just, you know, we hit a road bump here, we had a bug here, or we found out there's an additional features that we can add here. And so it, it's definitely been a learning curve. I'm getting better at it. My employees will tell you, <laughs> but in the beginning, it was, it was, it was kind of tough. Well, and then let's rewind back. I mean, before you even got to this point, I mean, so you have the idea um, from a basically uh, a kid to a, to a student to, you mean, to a, to a, I guess, a, a older student, right? That yeah. you need the help for tutoring. You come up with the idea. What happens next? I mean, when you come up with this original idea. So I actually have a screenshot on my phone and it's from 2020. So even before anything was created, I have a, a note in my phone. You know, I'm a typical kid. Oh, I have a good idea. I'm going to jot down in my iPhone. And it's exactly Studer. And I, I, I remember talking about it with my friends in college when I was a junior. I was like, dude, I am so screwed for tomorrow's test. <laughs> Just, I remember saying that way, what, way too many times. I'm not proud of it. Um, and they were like, you know what? Me too. I have felt your emotions. And I quickly found out a lot of students have this feeling, right? Of just, I couldn't make TA hours. I couldn't make lab hours. I'm so screwed. You know, who can I depend on? I'm just going to send a Hail Mary text to all my friends. Hey, do you know someone that can help me with this class? And so I always internalized that and I always thought about it, but obviously knowing my goal was professional golf, I didn't do anything about it. And so, yeah, in January of 2020, I... Finally, after being home for since March of 2020, I um, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give myself 12 months, and I'm really going to try to pursue getting traction or seeing if I could do anything with this idea. Because you know, it seems like every one of the students that I was at least with, they felt the same way. So there needs to be something done. So I did my own research, did my due diligence, and quickly found out. Look, there's no product like what we're what we're doing. Really, there's no. I mean, yeah, the the platform to connect experts to students exists, but an expert could be a 50-year-old man who's a PhD, and that may just, they're just not going to level with you. I mean, I, I did those, right? You can go on University Tutor, or you can find a local tutor, or even Chegg. And being an econ major at BYU, I was a math major. So I'm getting matched up with like 65-year-olds and 50-year-olds who are PhD rocket scientists. And I'm just looking at the screen, and I'm like, I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about. We're not even speaking the same language. So I quickly wanted to make this happen, especially with COVID, right? The whole world shut down, everything went virtual. And I was like, this could not be a better time for me to explore the e-learning and for kids to get help. So January of 2021, I met one of my first co-founders, Joel, and I pitched him the idea. And I said, Joel, listen, I don't even know who you are. Um, I was introduced him through a friend who didn't take up this opportunity. He said, you know what, I'm working on my own startup right now, but I may know someone that can help you. And I pitched Joel and he immediately connected with it. He was an active student at the time. And he was like, you know what, this is genius because I have felt it. And I was like, yes, this is the enthusiasm that I'm looking for, like someone who's who wants to use the product. And so together we, for six to eight months, I would say we bootstrapped it pretty hard. You know, we were paying anything that we needed out of my pocket um, and he developed my MVP. And that was kind of the initial stages. It was, it was brutal for a little bit because I have one developer. And again, I, my background is not tech, it's finance and economics. And so I'm looking at him being like, dude, so why isn't it done? And he goes, dude, it's only been two weeks, you know? So I'm like, oh, okay. So, so through that, it was a, it was a big learning curve. And then in October of 2021, I actually met my co-founder, Tyler, who definitely changed the whole culture. So, 
when when you're when you're bringing on basically co-founders and partners and and things like that what what are your thoughts in your head of course you want someone to kind of fall in love with it and you're giving a piece of of your dream right so some people think of a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset i mean for yourself right. when you were telling people like your idea what was going through your head so I, i'll use joel and uh tyler just because they're my two co-founders that's a, that's our core team right there is our um but yeah it's just you know joel immediately was invaluable to me just because he fell in love with the product and i could tell just in his eyes you know you, you know when you meet someone and you just kind of can tell if they're being genuine or not right i mean joel was being genuine he was like i love this product i can definitely see myself using it i can definitely see myself making money with it but at the same time i would love to build it and i was like dude this is fantastic especially because he was a younger generation he is my target demographic which is the college student and we kind of just had talks like look dude i don't know what equity share you're gonna get or i'm gonna get but why don't we just build the product out and let's see where it takes us and tyler was an interesting conversation because i met tyler golfing and i pitched him the idea and he just connected he goes dude i have two daughters who are both about to go to college you know one is really about to go to college and the other one's a couple years away but man as a parent this is a game changer and you know at the time tyler was running his own company he had a security company and he's a serial entrepreneur he's had four successful exits so i'm looking at this guy man this is exactly kind of who i want to be right i want to be an entrepreneur and uh he actually told me at the end of the golf run, he goes here's my number i would love to help you you know in any capacity that i can you remind me a lot of myself when i was younger and i and that to me meant the world you know because i'm just trying to make it and he's a man who's essentially made it and he approached me and said, hey, here's my number. And so I immediately took that opportunity and I texted him actually the next morning. I said, Tyler, so great to meet you. I'd love to take you up on your offer to, you know, for 30 minutes and take you to Starbucks. And I'd love for you to meet uh, my co-founder, Joel. And he took it and we actually met that day. And just can we explain the whole process of what we were doing? What was the next steps? And it was really cool. He kind of gave us the guidance and just, he did it out of the pureness of his heart. It wasn't anything like, hey, I'm going to charge you a $250 advisory fee that I'm normally charging. Or, you know, if I'm going to help you guys moving forward, I'm going to take a percent of the equity. And so I thought that that was really cool. And the next following weeks, you know, he, his wife is a, is a big runner. She's actually a professional runner. And she was running the Boston Marathon last year. And they, while, I, while he was touring MIT and Harvard, he actually sent me a couple pictures on his phone. He said, dude, you would not believe what I saw. And I'm like, what's up? And it's at Harvard and MIT, the thought leaders of the world, right? I mean, you say Harvard, MIT, anywhere in the world, they're going to know where they are and who they are. It's this, you know, it's an eight by 11 piece of paper on their lamppost saying math tutor or science tutor or chemistry tutor with a little tear off at the bottom. And I'm like, that's unbelievable that the two thought leading schools of the universe and in the world are still doing this. And he said, it's time for us to make a change. And, and again, I didn't know what that meant because I'm like, Tyler, you run a full-time company. I don't know if you want to be an advisor or whatnot. So he comes home. And I eventually pitch him and I'm like, you know what, Tyler, I know you have your own thing, but I would love for you to become a co-founder or help me run this company because I could definitely use your executive experience. And he looks at me, he goes, you know what, let's do it. And I'm just thinking like, okay, you know what, that is not the answer I was anticipating. But the whole process was simple. It was like, if I'm going to build this core team, I want to make sure that one, they're not just my friends, they're not just my family. Because at the end of the day, like you can build small businesses with friends and family. I'm not saying you can't, but I really saw this as a huge potential, just talking with a lot of students. And so 
you know, it, it's the whole age old saying that it's something that one of my old mentors used to tell me, it's like, okay, when you're building a company let's say this is a hundred percent of it, do you want, you know, 50% of this, or do you want 10% of, you know, like, like yeah, this. Yeah. And so it was easy for me to really say, bring on Tyler and, and just say, Hey, you know, let's discuss equity, but I know that you can help me build this company because you've done this before. And so I had no problem doing it because, you know, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not out here chasing money. You know, my, that's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is to change the, the way the tutoring is done and to chase my aspiration and to change the world for the better, right? The, change the world of academia. And if that means, yeah, if I have to give up X percent of my company, but it, it will help me progress into building what my vision is, then absolutely I will talk about it. And I will, if it makes sense, then I will, then I will do it. When you're looking for these partners, basically, I mean, maybe even employees, I mean, because it, it sounds like these were very organic meetings with these with your different founders. Is it just speaking it to the world? Is it basically everyone you talk to? Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking to do. I mean, what did that look like? So, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty low key guy. I don't really love to kind of just. Hey, my name is CJ. This is what I do. You know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to introduce myself. And, you know, if you ask me what I'm, what I'm doing, I will tell you what I'm doing. Right. So that's how Joel was definitely, I was looking for an active co-founder. I needed a developer because one, I'm very, uh, I don't like to use the word impatient, but I'm very aggressive. <laughs> I like to know, Hey, let's just get things going. Let's get this plan going. So I was just looking for someone to help me build the software. And with Tyler, it was, again, it was an organic way that I met him, but it's not like when I first met him or I'm going golfing with all these people that I'm looking for a founder, right? I'm not looking for another partner. Um, but it was one of those things that after numerous times that we had met, it was like, you know what, this just makes sense. And I know it's a Hail Mary, but I'm going to ask him. And that's kind of how it happened. What do you think has been the, the the biggest hurdle in growing your brand and kind of bringing this to market? Yeah. So for me personally, it was, you know, there's two things. One, it was fundraising. Fundraising for any founder, all your listeners, and maybe even yourself is probably one of the most difficult things that it just is. It's hard to do. You know, I I just immediately knew that. I didn't know the tech industry well enough and I didn't have to actually raise funding initially for my company. I bootstrapped it, paid everything out of my pocket, but immediately knew, okay, I don't have <laughs> the bank account to make this thing go the legs or to grow it the way that I need to. And Tyler immediately was like, you know what, this is how much we're going to raise. And I looked at him and I was like, Whoa, that's a lot of money. <laughs> like, and he was like, yeah, but I've done this before. And I'm just looking at him like, are you sure we need that much? And he was like, yes, I promise you we do. And that whole process was, and still is an adventure. We're still in the, we're about to close out our round, which is, which has been awesome. But in the beginning, it was really, really difficult because, you know, as, a, as, as two co-founders, you really believe in your product and you're like, you know what? I don't see why people are saying no, or, you know, the most frustrating thing to me is when people act like they're really interested they may be, but when, and they're like, Hey, let me know when you need an, uh, like an investment. I'd love to invest. And then you talk to them and then they just, it never comes up or ever again. And you're like, well, whatever happened? And so that was the toughest part. It's so many people either acting like they loved your idea or genuinely did, but just didn't have the means to invest and just hearing that over and over and over again. And, and no one likes to be nitpicked, right? So if you have a, like with my pitch deck, you know, we're pitching them. And at the end, they're asking you a bunch of questions like, 
well, what about this? What are you about your go-to-market strategy? Well, I don't really like this about this. I mean, no founder wants to hear that because this is your this is your baby, this is your project. But you know, it, again, it was one of those things where perseverance. It's like, yes, it's easy to throw in the towel after pitching thirty investors and all thirty of them telling you, you know what, I don't like this, or it's too early, or the valuation is hard for me to grasp, or just like I don't think this is a sticky idea. But it's just, hey, you know what, my ultimate, my life motto is like just one more, right? So for me, and whatever I do, it's if I'm about to give up, well, let's just give it one more day. You know, let's just give it one more pitch. Let's give it one more investor. And through that, we've raised a, our seed round. Um, and, and it's been fantastic. It's definitely been a struggle. Don't I want to ever say like it, it was easy, but it was one of the most memorable things. It's just when we first got that first big check into our bank account as an as a company from an investor, I was just ecstatic. I remember me and Tyler had just closed a, a pretty big chunk and I just remember getting in his car and I was screaming just, I'm not like screaming, but I was pretty psyched. I was just like, dude, we did it. Like, and he just looked at me, he goes, dude, we're, we're like 10% done. And I was like, all right, it's fine, but this is still a tremendous amount of money. I'm excited. Um, and just shavings make a pile and, and we're closing out our round. So that's been great. Um, another point of perseverance, I guess, is definitely um, just learning the industry. You know, uh, I grew I didn't grow up around tech. My dad was pretty blue collar, um, but I knew that tech ran the world, right? There's a, there's a reason why my friends who are graduating from CS or IS were making six, you know, figure incomes right out of college. And I'm just like, wow, that's unreal that like junior level developers or information systems people are making that much. Um, but, you know, again, with Tyler and with Joel and my team, um, and with Google, I've been having, I've been able to learn a ton about the industry and, and definitely trying to combine, you know, my background of golf, finance, economics, my entrepreneurship, my, my personality, it's been a puzzle, right? And I, and I, I slowly find, I'm just slowly finding my footing a little bit in the industry. Um, but that's definitely been one of the biggest points of perseverance and, and through that, just trying to instill that culture. Uh, and selling a good culture into Studer has it hasn't been I wouldn't say a challenge because all the employees that we have are they're great they're they're absolutely fantastic but just to, again kind of what we said earlier in the show depending on other people has been a little bit of a point of challenge but we're we're getting better at it so is there a time or or how often if you even do do you take notes? of what you're doing now uh for a future startup or is it too early to think of your next startup when you're still kind of bringing this to market yeah um i definitely take a lot of mental notes um one thing that has stuck with me is because again i if it was up to me i'm the kind of guy that would start 30 startups today and just i love i'm just a startup junkie you know i've been an entrepreneurship i've just been an entrepreneur since I've been a kid, you know, slinging baseball cards, trading Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, or cutting grass. You know, it's like, hey, I'll do your grass for 10 bucks, do 10, I have 100 bucks. 100 bucks like a 12-year-old's a lot of money, you know? And so I was just just one of those kids. And um, if it was up to me, I'd have numerous small businesses. But knowing the market potential and what we've been told by a lot of experts in the industry, Studer requires my full attention if I want it to be and grow the way it should grow. And so, yes, I'm taking mental notes, like, and learning a lot about, oh, well, it looks like, you know, for example, like now that I've raised a, a good chunk of capital, now I know how to build a good pitch deck for future endeavors if I want to do that. Or, you know, 
finding evaluation. So yes, I'm definitely <clears throat> accruing a lot of skills, accruing a lot of skills for my next startup, I guess, but I'm not thinking about what that is by any mm-hmm. means. Um, one, again, one of the old sayings is, you know, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec, but it, it stuck with me just because it makes sense, right? Like, <clears throat> I I could only imagine if I try to juggle professional golf and trying to build a, a tech company, that probably wouldn't go well, right? Because it's like, well, I'm spending six hours on the golf course, six hours of studer. I don't know which one to juggle. And I've decided that's why, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm really going to put golf to the side and I'm really going to pursue studer. Well, it sounds like you haven't given up golf fully, maybe not professional, but it sounds like it's still a good networking avenue for you. That's fantastic. I always tell people, I'm like, where else can you sit down with another CEO for five and a half hours, four hours, and just talk and then bond? You know what I mean? It's like, it's really hard to do that. But golf has been an immensely good tool for me. And being a good golfer is definitely, it definitely doesn't hurt. You know, uh, other CEOs and other business partners and clients that I that I meet with, they definitely love that I can at least help them on the course. But no, I like to call myself the ultimate weekend warrior or the ultimate scramble person. If you need if you need someone to win your company scramble, then you can give me a call and we'll just make it happen. <laughs> How many times have you taken a dive on the golf course because you really wanted to make that person you're trying to win over? <clears throat> Um, I'm, I mean, this zero because I am zero. Okay, competitive. Well, <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> I, I, I can't purposely lose. I don't know what that feeling is like. I, I would rather just play my best golf and I don't know. I just, once something happens, you know, when you play it for a living and you play it at the highest level in college, that you losing is not really your forte. If you are, then you're probably in the wrong sport. Um, but yeah, I haven't purposely lost or taken a dive to anyone yet maybe someone maybe someone i will in the future <laughs> sounds good well appreciate you so much cj for, for being on the road to earth podcast uh if someone's listening and they're looking to get more information about uh studer when it's gonna hit the market what's the best way of uh them reaching out or finding it yeah so if you go to studer.com uh everything is up and running we'll obviously be iterating but you know for college students out there you know we're we'll help you build your side hustle you know, everyone's going to pay you for your information. Everyone's going to pay you for your knowledge. Just get rewarded for it. And so, yeah, if you go to studer.com, we'll have you have a sign up on there. But also if you download Studer, everything kind of walks you through it. That's what we worked really hard on. So please download. <laughs> and I'm going to finish off one last question. I know you've already kind of give your vision of Studer, but where do you see yourself and Studer in the next five years? Man, that's a great question. A great, great question. I get asked that a lot. It's like, do you want to sell? Do you want to, you know, and as of right now, I don't want to sell. I would love to be the company that acquires to grow, honestly. Um, I would love for Studer to be a household name. You know, I like, like Uber, for example, there's not that many people in the world, a small percentage of the users use it daily, right? But why is it that everyone in the world has Uber on their phone? I haven't used Uber in probably four years. But I have it on my phone because I don't know when I may need it. And that's exactly the vision that I see Studer for. I would love every college student right when they come in as a freshman for it, for their friends or their parents to be like, hey, you need to download Studer because you, you're just you're going to need help. I promise you. And I would love for me not to have to say it, but my users and my the college students using it. And I would love to hopefully in five years definitely be very established. And just if I say the word Studer to the average person, they're just going to be like, wow, that's pretty amazing that you created that product 
And uh, yeah, if acquisition happens, it happens. We'll leave that door open. But if not, as of right now, it's just keep our head down and just try to change the tutoring industry. Well, thank you again so much, CJ, for, for being here. Hopefully everyone listening got some great nuggets right there. Now for, for you college students, for anyone in academia, if you're looking, well, if you're if you're looking for some help or basically you want to give some help, Go, go on student. Right. I mean, I'm assuming if you're basically a first mover to the market, right, there's probably not going to be a lot of people that are going to sign up right when it starts. So you're going to have probably a lot of business right there. Uh, and for the people looking for help, well, you know what? This is a great platform to do it on your own time. Uh, thank you again, CJ, for being here. Everyone, please subscribe, please share, and go find uh, CJ and Studer. Bye, Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.